if you just think this is the only thing I can do, therefore this is the only thing I'm going to continue doing, I think you're really limiting yourself because you don't really know what you're capable of and also what your skills can do, what you're capable of, you know, going into a different industry or a different type of role. So I just kept my options open and my mind open. Hi, and welcome to Helping People Perform, the podcast that gives you fascinating insights into those people whose chosen vocation is to help others perform at their best. From consultants to teachers, sports coaches to financial advisors, all of my guests share a passion for getting the most out of individuals, teams and organisations. Enjoy the episode. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Helping People Perform podcast. Uh, today my guest is Gwen Burridge, Workstyle Trainer and Coach at GB UK Consulting. Thanks for being on board today, Gwen. Oh, no, no, thank you for inviting me. I'm, I'm really honoured. Oh, well, as we've talked about across this whole series of helping people perform, it is about who do you go to to up your performance, who do you get help from, and I'm very privileged and lucky enough that Gwen has uh, been supporting me along the way and supporting those conversations, having some coaching bits as well, so I'm, I'm really pleased to have you on board today, Gwen. So You're welcome. <laughs> so before we get kicked off in terms of what you're doing right now, could you give us a little history about what's got you to where you are today? Oh, wow. Gosh, I'll try and keep it as brief as possible. Um, I was one of those people many years ago who um, decided not to go to university, which shocked my uh, my school at the time, being in grammar school. They were like, you know, why are you not going to university? But I just wanted to go and earn some money, basically. Got myself into finance very early age. So it was just before I was 18. And then after a couple of years, um, saw an, uh, literally on a notice board, job notice board advertising for trainee market makers because it was the year before Big Bang when the trading was going to move away from the stock exchange floor to electronic trading. And I just thought, gosh, that sounds like a nice thing to do. I think I'll go for that. And, you know, I got it basically. Um, and um, spent 11 years doing that, which, gosh, it's, it taught me so much over the years. And we can talk about that a little bit later. Hmm. But, um, it, it really led me to start to think about how you know communication is so um, interesting for me and it's something that I focus on and you, as you can probably imagine being on a trading floor you don't really mind your p's and q's you know that that type of environment particularly back then yeah. wasn't one where you were often very polite to each other you just said the basics and you got things done so I was there for 11 years, as I said, and then I got made redundant, which looking back now was actually a blessing. At the time, it definitely wasn't. Yeah. Um, but it made me very resilient being on the trading floor and also being made redundant because it made me realise that those types of events weren't the worst thing that could possibly happen to me. Mm. And actually, it made me more determined to fight it because when I was on the trading floor, I was the only woman towards the end. So I, I just kept on going. Some might say I went on for too long, but being made redundant was, as I say, you know, very sort of, um, it gave me some time to heal. I had some other personal things that went on. So I was out of work for about nine months, got back into um, American Bank and spent some time being an operations manager which was um, sort of my initiation into management, spent many years after that being a manager, uh, had to go on a training course at one point in order to be able to get promoted. And I didn't want to go on this training course, but actually it was the catalyst 
that made me realize that I wanted to help people to be better managers and to be better at whatever it is. So helping people help themselves is the sort of the phrase that I use. That led me then on to trying to, I think I spent three years trying to get into a sort of a training type function, which I did for a while. And then um, I started working in HR in 2007 in learning and development, stayed there until 2019. Uh, and then left there because I wanted to start up my own practice. And then, of course, COVID happened. So my own practice took a bit of a hit for a while. I went out and got uh, a contract for a little while. And then um, I spent a little bit of time. I've just recently left working for a great company called Berndine. Um, And now I'm back to looking forward to looking for myself, working for myself again. So that's me, me in a nutshell, if you like. Brilliant. Well, I mean, some fantastic experiences in there, and um, mm-hmm. just you talked about working on the uh, the trading floor. You know, what was what was the culture? What was the environment? How did you? Uh, what did the key things that you sort of learned from that environment? I think um, it's a sink or swim type of environment, particularly as a woman in those days. You know, I was there mid eighties to mid nineties. I mean, things like conduct, and you know treating each other inclusively and all of those things they weren't even thought about back in those days um i I, like i said earlier on i did feel as if i had to sort of keep fighting to keep my my head above water i guess and to be recognized and valued because i was surrounded by men Mm. um but it did make me very determined very determined to keep going um, but, it, you know, I think towards the end, it was actually a blessing to be made redundant, but because it did really take a lot out of me. Mm. So I can understand, you know, why people who do that type of role, they do have a shelf life. Yeah. Um, but it did really teach me a lot about myself, I think, is probably the answer to your question about my resilience and right. strength of character, I think, and what I was actually capable of as well. Mm. Oh, brilliant. And the um, the other bit that... I've just made a couple of notes as we go along there and the redundancy pit uh, bit and learning from that and having the um, uh, resilience to go through that process as well. Something that happened to me uh, when my wife, who you obviously know as well, um, was pregnant. We were out in, in New Zealand and I think she was six months pregnant when we uh, I was made redundant and had to go in and, and decide what I wanted to do to move on from there. Yeah. And it, it's such a learning experience about yourself as well. And, and one thing I learned through that process was to step back and look at where I thought I was. I thought I was up just in this one area of, of uh, particular uh, focus or helping people perform through facilitation or whatever it was at the time. Um, but actually, my skill set was so much uh, more applicable or as applicable elsewhere as well. So expanded my horizons and, and looked places that I never would have looked before if my career had just developed in the one place. Uh, just wondering what your experience was in, in that front. And did you f- find yourself look, looking elsewhere in places that you wouldn't necessarily have done if your career had just developed through the years? Yeah, it really did, actually. Yeah. I mean, it made me rethink about what what my next role was going to be. And actually... 
soon after I got made redundant, I went and spoke to a couple of agencies and I quickly realised that I'd actually been really underpaid for the role that I'd done. Mm. Um, and so they basically sort of said to me, you're only as good as your last pay packet or bonus or whatever. And because it was so low, I, it was that realisation that I'm not going to get back into that type of role, which I think actually made me feel quite good that I could let that go. Mm. But then the next thought is, well, what is next? What do I do? And for me, what's happened along my whole career journey, and, and, and again, and that part of my career, this also did happen, was I haven't really set specific goals and thought about what's next in sort of a lot of detail. I've sort of spoken to people and, you know, read articles and newspapers and, and all those things, and just all of a sudden something will either jump out or something will happen and somebody will say something to me and I'll go and speak to someone. All of a sudden I'm, you know, having an interview for a job. And it sort of happened that way as well, that I got back into banking, but working for a different company in a different role. It was just somebody who just said to me, would you be interested in doing a three week contract? Right. And, uh, you know, I was there for 22 years. <laughs> so, you know, I, I always think of it as always keep your options open. You just never really know what's around the corner. And I think the other thing is for me, which I've been, I found recently again has been really key, is just keeping your mind open to options as well. Because mm. if you if you just think this is the only thing I can do, therefore this is the only thing I'm going to continue doing, I think you're really limiting yourself because you don't really know what you're capable of and also what your skills can do what you're capable of you know going into a different industry or a different type of role so I just kept my options open and my mind open hmm. and then something just sort of almost fell in my lap as it were really yeah making your own look and yeah. it eventually coming your way yeah absolutely and it is that thing about you have to recognize the opportunities and, and go for them you know you always have to explore them um but for me, that was that seems to be sort of the that's the the way I operate in terms of my career. Brilliant. And final thing in terms of you know that history in terms of what what got you here today. You mm. mentioned a training course that you were reluctant to go on, but actually shaped your future. What yeah. was that out of interest? You know, what was the topic of that course? What was it about? Well, it was basic management skills. Um, it was very interesting actually because. I mean, it was an external vendor. My manager at the time, he had seen them and he loved using them. And this was long before we had any sort of learning and development in HR. But he wanted everybody who was a manager to go on it. And we were all petrified of going on it because we all knew that at the end of the course that we had to set um, a personal goal and a work goal. And then we had to come back a month later in front of everybody and deliver a 10, 15 minute presentation on how we had done in our goals, if we had reached them and all that type of stuff. <laughs> and it was really interesting because back then, standing up and talking in front of people was just for me, just the most scariest thing. You know how they always say, the top two scariest things for people are death and standing up and talking <laughs> in front of people. Well, it was for me the most scariest thing. And I literally just remember that day, dreading that day, mm. standing up and literally shaking from top to toe and sweating and all of those things that you do when you're that nervous. But when I had that realisation around the same time that I wanted to then do that for others, I realised I had to work through that mm. because it was, um, it was well, you have to do that. You had to back then. You know, there wasn't any online training as such, although it was just coming in then. So I had to keep on moving through that really uncomfortable feeling 
And now, you know, I'm, it doesn't faze me at all to stand up in front of 80, 100 people and talk. In fact, I love it now. So it's one of those things where I think the goal, it was so deep within me that I wanted to do that, so that mm. I was willing to go through all that pain, if you like, of learning how to work through the nerves in order to get through the other side, as it were, and actually really love it. So yeah. so it really did change me. But all it did, it also did make me a very good manager. So, yeah. you know. Oh, Double hit there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I always um, reference any the success of any good training. In my view, is that it changes your behaviour, yeah. and it changes your behaviour for good, or uh, as in for uh, for the better, but also for a long time. It's not just a short term change of behaviour. And on that basis, I can count two training courses that I've been on out of all the ones that I've been over the years that have been truly successful. Mm -hmm. And that's the the ones that are there, the ones that hit home really do change the way you think, the way you behave, the way you move forward. And I think that for me, from my, my goal as a facilitator trainer is to be that course, that training piece that, um, that people went on and went, yep, now I'm doing things differently and I will continue to do things differently because I learned a lot. Totally agree, totally yeah. agree. And it's, yeah, when you, when you think of all the courses, I mean, I think of all the courses I've been on over the years, there have been very few that have really inspired me to make changes. Yeah. I think there was a couple of others I can think of. So, yeah, I, that's that's my aspiration as well. And I do hope all the things that I've ever done so far in my learning and development career mm -hmm. has actually had that impact, at least on some people. Brilliant. So in terms of what you do now, um, mm -hmm. who do you help perform? How do you help them perform? It's been really interesting journey in the last few weeks for me, actually, because when I started my practitioner back in 2019, when I left the bank, I'd only just sort of got myself up and running. And then, as I said, COVID happened. So I've sort of had to revisit it and start back to basic again. But one of the things I did a lot of, which um, I have found really I, I just can't do without, is a, is a tool called Insights Discovery, which I'm sure some listeners will have heard of. Um, it's uh, it, it's sort of a profiling tool, but it helps you understand about your work in terms of how you prefer to work and how you prefer to communicate at work. But it has so many other uses as well. And so for me, what I'm going to be doing is to help people to raise their awareness of their preferences, you know, in the work environment. Mm. And I'm going to be doing it for three sort of different types of people. So for individuals, it could be, you know, I've got so far in my career, but I've seemed to have sort of come to a halt and maybe something's getting in the way of that. Mm. Then it's going to be for managers and leaders to help them understand, you know, how can you get more out of the people that you manage and lead? And then thirdly, teams, which is sort of my favourite thing. I do like to go in and do team building. And you, and you can do this like a lot of team building sessions do where you can train or help people to understand more about each other's preferences so they can know, then they can go, oh, now I understand why when we talk, we feel like we're talking a different language because we're so different to each other. Mm -hmm. But then you can take it to the next level and then you can help, for instance, with teams, you can use the tool to help them to be more effective. Um, and it really is, it is a very effective tool to help people to do that. It's very sort of pragmatic. Right. My training and the things that I do are very pragmatic. I want to be able to help people to understand at the end of a session, there's something tangible that they're going to do that's going to make a difference, to mm. make a change. And so the team effectiveness stuff that I do really does help them to identify some changes that they need to make 
in order to help them to work better together. And the whole pandemic thing, that working from home thing has been really interesting for me because I was uh, reading um, a short article on LinkedIn, which is my go-to for a lot of articles that I read. There's a report out from a company called Gensler and they were saying that over the pandemic, the shift to remote working, working from home, has seen time spent collaborating drop from 43% to 27%. And for me, you know, I think when I think back to when I used to work in a team, collaboration makes the things that you do, you know, the ad hoc stuff where you just turn to somebody or shout across and say, can anybody help with this? Or can anybody give me some ideas? That type of stuff, you can't really measure it. I did an article on LinkedIn called The Unmeasurables because it is very difficult to measure the impact that that can have on a day-to-day basis, but that working from home actually gets in the way of that. So I'm not going to say to teams, don't work from home, but try and find what ways can you identify to help you collaborate with each other more when you are not in the room together, which I think is you know a very topical thing. Um, and then also getting people to think about how do they influence those people around them? You know, if you've got a certain profile where you are, say, an extrovert and you're somebody who is, you know, quite plain speaking, in this world where we are, you know, people are, you know, always talking about being kind to each other and all of this, sometimes if you're plain speaking, it doesn't come across so well. So then I'll work with them and I'll say, so how can you just soften that a little bit? I sort of call it your sharp edge. How can you soften that a little bit so you can influence more people around you? And then that's actually, they can actually identify the tangible actions that they could take in order to do something slightly differently to be more successful. So that's it, I guess, in a nutshell. And as I said, I'm still working on that, but I'm going to be in the next few weeks and months going to be honing that down. I'm going to be building a website, et cetera, to be able to 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 advertise what I do. But that's that's my my first love, really. Brilliant. And are there any particular industries businesses sizes of businesses that you work with or are you are you flexible on that front well i think you know for huge businesses you know the very big multi-corporates i think for, you know individuals i mean i don't know whether you've come across this paul but i've definitely noticed that yeah, individuals such as ourselves where we're not companies they don't tend to want to take on and use those very much so you know for me small to medium-sized companies obviously with my financial background that's going to be an advantage um, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm open to offers. I think if you think about improving team performance to a certain extent, as long as you are made aware of the type of culture of an organisation, I think you can work with any. And particularly with small companies, I think you can make such an impact very quickly to actually be able to help them to to, to make some changes. But yeah, ag- again, it's just about really going in and saying, you know, how can I help? What are some of the challenges that you've got in collaboration mm. that I can actually go in and help you to, to identify a resolution for that? And also focusing on ineffective management. You know, it, um, ma- managers most of the time are, are great, but there are still some areas where managers aren't so great. Mm. So um, I really do love to go in and sort of work out what they need to do differently. And my first love, of course, because of that course I went on, I love to be able to work with individuals who are just who just started being managers. So I can really help them build those really good habits from a from a you know an early standpoint. Nice, yeah. I've I've definitely found um, that same thing working with the small to medium businesses is probably 
the niche of most solopreneurs, if you will. Um, mm. And when the opportunities do come with the larger organizations, which uh, occasionally they do, it tends to be with a small segment of that organization or a, a particular team that's looking for a specific thing. Yeah. Um, and then if you, you know, if, if things go well, everything's brilliant and, and that they see the value in your offering, that can then expand out. And that's, uh, I guess, the, the, the dream for a lot of, uh, <laughs> lot of people going out by themselves. Can they get that big whale and, and get out there? But the, I'm finding the secret is just, just work with individuals, mm -hmm. work with small, you know, the, who want to do something different and want to bring in a different perspective. And that's, uh, that tends yeah. to be in those smaller, medium-sized businesses. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I do like to make an impact, I think is probably yeah. the short way of saying it. And I think we do have, as you say, more opportunities to do that with those types of companies. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and in terms of your own performance, mm -hmm. so where do you go to help your own performance? Who do you go to? What do you do? It's really interesting. You know, I've done, I would say since I left investment banking, I've done a sort of um, a coaching qualification and career coaching, which I thought would be very useful over over the COVID because I think a lot of people have been having that mindset of, you know, I don't really like what I'm doing. What can I do next type thing? But actually I haven't really felt compelled to do that too much. I did talk to quite a few of my friends about it. And, and I think people want to talk to you about their careers, but they don't want to pay you for it a lot of the time, you know, so they don't really see the value in having a career coach. And to be honest, for me, being a coach is not like, you know, that traditional coach of, having a big contract with somebody last months and months that's not really my thing no. so i've i've not really taken that uh that training that i did and really used it to improve my performance although i do love to ask great questions but i also have a short attention span <laughs> so i love snippets of information um i really love those companies i don't remember one that we used to use years ago it's called get abstract where they take a whole book Mm. And they condense it down into five pages. And I read some of those and take snippets of those and learn from them. I do that a lot. Yeah. And they also stimulate my creativity as well. And in sessions, I tend to sort of incorporate little bits that I've learned from these snippets, you know, a little bit of a uh, just a bit of information or that something that I just said about that report. I think it's really interesting stat to sort of tell people and raise awareness of those. Um, I always look at articles that are advertised on LinkedIn, any other papers when I'm just doing some research online. Um, I love looking at the some of the videos, the short videos. I, I, I follow Simon Sinek. I think some of the things he says are very valuable. I look at the memes, which are sometimes quite inspiring. So it's the little things for me, the sort of uh, like, like, tiny little increments that lead me on to other things. Sometimes they will actually inspire me to go and do quite a lot of research on something. Right. Um, so it's it's not that formal performance improvement. It's the informal stuff that I can use and talk about in sessions that I run. And lastly, it's um, it's like working with you and other individuals as well. It's that, that discussing, brainstorming, and all of that. I always learn something from everybody I talk to, and I think that that is also really really important. Is that we learn and help each other. Yeah. It's been a common theme, actually, with a lot of the co people who do uh, are specifically coaches or take a coaching approach. Who've mm. been on this podcast have often said that they learn from the people they coach as much as they uh, they learn uh, as much as their coaches are learning. Shall we say? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. 
Um, so a couple of other questions then. Um, mm -hmm. If you were able to take your skill set and your experience and work with any individual team or organisation to help them perform, who would you want that to be? Gosh, I couldn't think, I was, I was thinking about this earlier on and I couldn't really think of anything specific in terms of companies. Um, you know, I didn't want to, to name any of them, but I think if... I really want to be able to make an impact. So, you know, this working from home thing seems to be um, quite a challenge for a lot of companies right now to some degree or another. So someone, you know, a company that's that wants to be able to have their employees collaborate more and work more effectively because, you know, I think when you look at the preferences, you know, going back to what I said about insights, and I'm not necessarily quoting insights now, but some people will tell you they love working from home because it means that they can concentrate, they don't get disturbed, and I totally get that. And it also increases their work-life balance. On the flip side, there are some people who, you know, I mean, from my own perspective, um, I know there are times when I don't speak to people for a while, it can drive me crazy. I love to be around other people and talking to other people. So we can operate very differently. There are always opposites in the world. So it's finding the balance or finding ways to help people manage those differences is what I'm really keen to do um, to help them, just as I said, to, to collaborate more effectively. But anything where there is a challenge in a team, a specific one that I can help with. And, uh, you know, like I said earlier on, I don't go in and do long, lengthy sessions. I mean, I can do them if people want me to. Yeah. But at the same time, I think you can still achieve a hell of a lot just by doing quite a quick intervention. Mm and just getting them to do one or two things differently. Because if you try and, you know, boil the ocean or something, you can end up where nobody really does anything after a session. And I really don't want that to happen. Hmm. So I think that's that's basically what my answer would be on that one. Oh, nice. So if there's any individuals or organizations out there that are looking to uh, uh, get some support with some of those types of challenges, then, uh, you know, get in contact with Gwen. Yeah, absolutely, Brilliant. please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and on the flip side of that, if you were to be able to sit down, have a coffee, have a drink with any individual or organisation or, or, or team mm. that you think could really help you up your own game, who would you want that to be? Yeah, it's a difficult question as well. I think, again, it's a, a bit like the way I have come at my career over the years. I think I just like to talk to people as again like I said similar to yourself and others but also sometimes it's nice to talk to people who are quite different to you so I'll give you an example I I'm going to be starting to do some work for uh, a training vendor uh, in a few months time and um, one of the other people that she works with is very different to me he comes from a very different background he comes from a very different way of operating we both do training and coaching However, he does it very differently. And I can see, you know, if I think about it from an insights perspective, we are opposites. But when I listen to him speak, I always learn something. And so it's just making sure that I sit down and chat to as many people as I can. And it's really important that you, you know, because you feel good when it's somebody that you, you're similar to. Mm. But you also have to seek out people who are different to you because you can always learn something from them. So there's nobody in particular but just making sure that I do interact with people who have got a different way of looking at things because it always adds value to what you do. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Um, and finally then, how do people find out more? How do they get in touch with you? Uh, where can we find uh, Gwen Burridge? So at the moment, LinkedIn is the best place to find me. As I said earlier on, I'm 
in the process of uh, uh, upgrading my old website, which is, is not visible at the moment. So um, probably sort of um, March, April time that will be up and running. Uh, but LinkedIn is definitely where you'll find me. And there's some contact details on there. And obviously, you've got all my history and everything on there as well. Yeah. And I'll be making, as always, make sure I'll share all those details uh, with people so that we can get in touch uh, with Gwen when needed. So um, fantastic chat, Gwen, as always. Um, so really happy to have you on the podcast today. And, and thank you for being a great guest. That's lovely. Thank you ever so much for inviting me, Paul. Much appreciated. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard, then please give the podcast a rate, review and share. I'm Paul Teasdale, and from sausage making to banking, oil and gas to Formula One, I help people perform. If you'd like to find out more and have a conversation, contact me via helpingpeopleperform.com.